Awesome. Hello, friends. We're back with another episode. Again, thanks to Grant O'Gorman with the hookups. We're, we're three for three with some international contacts here. And we, we got a big one. I'm a big fan of their podcast, Coach Your Brains Out. Anyone who's a big fan of USA will hear of this guy. He's won some AVPs. He won another international medal here in Edmonton. He's a published author, and I'm sure we're going to cover a bunch more. So welcome to the show, Billy Allen. Thanks. And if it doesn't go well, it's Grant's fault. Yeah, Grant's just the scapegoat. He gets a lot of credit, <laughs> but we can also throw him under the bus whenever we need to. So... Perfect. How did you enjoy playing in Edmonton? Is this your first time to Canada? Uh, I played once in college at Northridge. We came out to Canada somewhere to play, but this is, yeah, for beach, this is my first time, and it was great. It was rough weather the first two days or so, but it was perfect today. Nice, and was everybody nice to you? Over, overly nice. <laughs> I was looking for somebody, and I kept going around asking. People who had no, had no connection to it at all were like just apologizing and trying to help me find her, and I was like, wow, this would never happen back home. Nice, nice. So... Uh, what do you think of this event? Would anything go into your scheduling to say pick a three star in Edmonton versus maybe going to Espino? Like what goes into your planning with, uh, with your partner Stafford and kind of when tournaments overlap, what do you guys think about? Yeah. Um, for us, mostly the tournaments that overlap are AVPs and FIVBs and it's a tough choice. Um, with this one, it was a four star in uh, Portugal or a three star in Canada. And we kind of looked at basically who was going to go where, because if, um, too many Americans play, we'd have to do a country quota. And so we saw we'd be straight in the main draw for this one. And on top of that, it's a much easier flight. So we were excited to come here and just take our chances here. Nice. And are you guys are you going to try to rush to Tokyo or are you going to sit that one out and go to Vienna? Or what's next for you guys? So next after this, we come go back home and we play in Hermosa AVP. So we'll do that instead of um, Tokyo. But the Vienna country quota is the Monday after Hermosa. And so we have a plan to, as soon as we lose in Hermosa, just book a flight and go, which if we make it to the semifinals or fifth or better, we would be leaving Sunday and arriving Monday at noon and playing the country quota at four o'clock that day. Wow. So with your federation, is the country quota always on site or could you play that in the U.S.? Everyone agrees, I guess. Um, so USA Volleyball will run a country quota if um, there is enough time between the tournaments. But because it's midsummer right now, they're just back-to-back. -back. There's no like free week, and so they won't run it. Sometimes we do it on our own if we get together with the other guys and like pay a ref. and just It saves us money having to fly to Europe or fly somewhere to play. And your federation, I guess, supports that because you're doing all the work for them, I guess? Or? Yeah, they, they, they said it might actually make them look bad because like, we're scheduling behind their backs, but... Um, it's just kind of like a gentleman's agreement with the other team, and then so far it's worked out. Good. Uh, let's get into that. The, the depth of USA Volleyball is very impressive right now. So for a guy like you who's played FIVs, you've played Norsecas, would you rate an AVP right up there with there with like the depth of pool, the level, like the way this tournament's scheduled? Like is it, is it probably one of the best domestic tours in the world right now? Uh, best domestic tours, yeah, I would say Brazil. I have, I've never seen it, but I hear Brazil's obviously really good too, so if we're not um, with them, we're right behind. Um, as far as how the caliber of play is, like our top teams that compete international play there. So I would say at the top, we have some really good teams, but it's definitely not as deep as a, a four or five star FIVB. Nice, and do you credit the AVP for a lot of development with USA Volleyball right now, where maybe a, an indoor athlete transferring from university to beach, like that's a good starting ground where they don't have to maybe go risk playing in a country quota in, say, Spain and losing and having to go home or maybe trying to qualify? Like, is that is that the way to go that you guys have been so strong for so many years is the AVP, essentially? Yeah, especially back in the day when the AVP was stronger. It's, um, you know, it had a couple years where it went under, and now it's, it's exciting that it's built back up to what it is. Um, but for sure, and for me as a player, 
I played, you know, for a decade on the AVP before I even tried World Tour. So it's it's a way to still be a professional volleyball player and play and compete and get better without having to go that World Tour route if you're not, you know, breaking into the top group. Now, was it the AVP that convinced you that you wanted to try this World Tour thing, or what kind of clicked for you eventually that you decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on tour. Yeah, I think I was pretty happy just playing AVP and doing better and better. And I, I kind of looked at it where if I wasn't winning AVPs and I didn't really have business trying to qualify for the Olympics. Um, but then as I got better and I got better partners who were more gung-ho to go, um, that kind of pushed it. I, I think Stafford is really, really wants to play on the world tour and wants to go to the Olympics. And I feel like if I, he wasn't so gung-ho, I might be just content back home playing Manhattan Open and stuff. Right. And... How many AVPs, what's the circuit up to right now? How many tournaments can you play in a year now? We have eight this year. Yeah, and the prize money has gone up every year. So it's, um, I mean, some of our events uh, are, you know, more money than a four-star even. Wow, so that explains why some Americans will miss a four-star mm -hmm. to stay home, right? Because the Gold Series, that's the right. The Gold Series, yeah. And what would you credit to the AVP for, like you said, it took a dip there, and I think it even was off for a full mm -hmm. season or two there. What would you credit to kind of building up the infrastructure again and, and what needs to happen for it to be like healthy and, and thriving? Well, the approach they're doing now is really grassroots. So I think they're doing, they have AVP first, uh, they have AVP next and just some different um, sort of feeder systems, which kind of makes more money than just the, the top pro tour. And so I think that helps, um, you know, sustain the tour. And Donaldson, who's running it, has put in a lot of money and a lot of work. And I think without somebody doing that risk, uh, it wouldn't really last. Right, right. Um, is there anything that maybe stands out in your planning? Like like you said, you and Stafford want to go to the Olympics. Are you training the same as, say, an AVP team, or is there more involved? Like, do you maybe work with a coach a little bit more? Obviously, you have more funding, so you can mm -hmm. travel internationally. Like, what would be the biggest difference in the jump of what makes, like, a, a team who's going to be good on the AVP versus a team who's going to take a run? Yeah, I would say um, it's team to team based on how much time you put in. Because, um, like, there's teams that, practice five days a week on the AVP, um, but the resources are way different. Um, once I started competing international, now I have through USA Volleyball, a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, we have a mental skills coach who works with us. We have um, a little coaching stipend and just a lot of advantages that um, when I was just playing AVP, I didn't have, and you're just forking over that money and paying for it yourself. So I think when you're on the AVP only, you're just investing in yourself. And when you're competing international, USA helps subsidize it. Nice. Maybe you could go into details on USA Volleyball because uh, as a Canadian, we're aware of it, but maybe we don't know the details. So an example of our stream is we have about three streams right now. You could be senior carded, which is very evaluation friendly if you get three senior results. So we have a certain uh, caliber of tournament you have to go to and get a certain result. And if you get three, you get your check mark. And those athletes get funded, but they can train independently of the program. Mm. Uh, there's a second stream where you try out for the national team. Uh, once you're selected, then you have to be in our centralized training area, work with the National Team Federation, and then you can compete on And then the third one would be the independent stream where you can still represent Canada internationally, but you're not funded, you don't have a coach, this, the program doesn't really offer a lot of services for you. So what would USA's model be? So, like you would have had to get a certain amount of results to be in the SNC program, or is it just as simple as you want to represent on the international stage and you get involved? or? Yeah, it changes every year, um, but how it's run now is it is based on a point system. So if you are ranked um, in the top, let's say, four teams in the U.S., then you'll get um, some funding, some coaching stipends, and then it kind of goes down from there, and there's maybe a middle group that gets, to work, gets training. They can access to the gym. They get um, Tyler Hildebrand as our kind of our coach that oversees the program. He had a training block this, this offseason for the first time where he had – 
um, four of the top teams kind of train to get, training together. Basically everybody but Nick and Phil who live in Florida. Um, and then if you're below that, you're kind of on your own, but you're free to sign up for tournaments and work your way into it. You just don't have access to the top tournaments because of the country quota. So those guys can play Norsecas or one stars that the top teams wouldn't go to in a way to kind of work their way into the system. And can any team technically force a country quota? You guys have internal rules about that, that like a team with zero points might not be able to sign up for a four-star and force it because it costs people extra matches? Or what's the process there? I think it's the FIVB rule where if they don't have enough points to be in the tournament, like they wouldn't make it in the qualifier, they can't automatically win the country quota and then get put in the qualifier. I see. So you have to just have enough points to even enter the event. Perfect. So with USA Volleyball, I guess, how many athletes would benefit from a centralized program? Or do you think it works well with everybody being independent but having financial support? Like, is that the way to go? I've been talking to a few other countries, like Volleyball Canada tries to do both a little bit. There's other Mm -hmm. countries where apparently the Norway, the four of them are the National Federation, so they Mm -hmm. can kind of do what they want. So what do you think it would be the best system for a country? I guess the size and population, like not geography is a challenge, population is a challenge. What would be best for USA Volleyball? Um, I don't know what would be best. I know um, we've heard rumors that like Brazil or other countries had it kind of a tight where like the coaches determined partners and did all the stuff. We heard it like was an experiment that failed, but then I also heard from our coach that they actually got the most medals that year. So I'm not sure what works. I know the players would perform prefer more um, power and just to make their decisions, and it'd probably be a lot easier for USA Volleyball if we were all in one spot with a coach picking team. So. I'm sure it's going to be a give and take always, um, but as far as what would be a better system, I don't know. And is it true you guys are working with John Mayer? Is that technically your coach? And kind of what was that relationship like? Because you competed against him. You're obviously doing projects together on the side. Is it easy to take feedback and stuff? Or every once in a while, kind of like, Mayer, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, Mayer always knows what he's talking about. That's why we got him. Um, yeah, so I competed with against John Mayer for a long time. We were basically the same age, came on tour at the same time. We were two guys that lived... Um, north of Hermosa. We were up in Santa Monica, so we trained together all the time and became really good friends. Do a podcast together, wrote a book together, um, and then as soon as he retired, I snatched him up right away because uh, I think he's, um, you know, in my opinion, maybe the best coach out there. So we're very lucky to have him, and he's juggling coaching us with coaching his college women's team at LMU, and he also coaches Emily Day and Betsy Flint, who are also here and got the silver. Wow. So does he have an opportunity to travel as well? Or when you're, say, at an event like this that he can't make, are you just working remotely, give a text, you know, maybe Skype or, or FaceTime? Or how does that work when your coach can't be at the event with you guys? Yeah, so this is our first year with him. He travels to most AVPs um, and then FIVBs. He usually has some sort of conflict, but we did talk him into coming to World Championships, um, which was huge for us because it's such a long tournament. And to have a coach there um, going through film and, you know, running practices was was crucial, I think, to our success. Um, but for this tournament, because he's not here, we get some some emails that have kind of he t- watched some video of a team we're going to play. Here's some stuff to focus on. Keeps it pretty concise, but uh, it's nice to have him even remotely. So to stay on World Champs, um, I know expectations can be dangerous sometimes. But did you guys have say expectations or a plan or a goal going into Worlds? And you, you must have executed because you guys took a great result. But what was your kind of playing going into a competition like that because that was your first world is that correct yeah yeah first um yeah no expectations we actually were lucky to get in we didn't get in through points we got in through the norseka route and we we um didn't think we were going to get in we went to one norseka just to qualify and we couldn't even stay and play we just had to show up played one match and forfeited because we had to fivb that weekend and 
we found out like two months later that that got us into the tournament um, because Trevor and Try had just enough points to qualify on points, and so we kind of backdoored in through that. So it was a surprise that we got a berth at all. Um, so there was a, there definitely wasn't the expectations that we were going to go um, win the tournament, especially once we saw our pool, which was pretty stacked. Um, but we just wanted to compete well and you know play our best volleyball, and um, we did, which was fun. Now, does World Championships, does it honestly feel like a different tournament because of, I guess, the, the size of the main draw, getting off days in between? Like, is there just more distractions combined with the level of the tournament? Is that what makes it so special and different? Yeah, the biggest difference was just the schedule. As far as, like, the fans in the stadium, there's some pretty big tournaments, and so just the atmosphere didn't feel that much bigger. But we had um, a pool play match every other day. So you play one match, and you have a whole day off, um, so yeah, there's a lot of time to sit around and think about that next match, um, which we were very lucky that USA Volleyball pro provided a bunch of resources. So we'd practice every day. We had a weight coach. Um, we had a sports psychologist we talked to. And so we were stayed pretty busy, so we didn't have time to, to let our minds wander too much. Very cool. Um, I'd like to clarify for our listeners who might not understand what you meant about like not expecting to get in. So my understanding is Norseka awarded USA Volleyball the bid, right? So mm -hmm. they had a spot to give. And they gave it through internal points. Is that how it worked? Or how did you play one you had, and you got your check mark and you went? Like, yeah, whoever had the most points um, that wasn't automatically qualified got it, but they had to have played a Norseka in the last year. I see. And we didn't think that... So Trevor and Try had the mo more points than us, so they were going to get that Norseka bid. But they just managed to qualify on points into the world championships based on just straight up points. So we ended up getting that federation bid for the Nursega. Perfect. So they got into the top 24 or whatever the cutoff was. And I think it was like because of some Russian team switch partners or like something oh, at the last okay. second happened. Yeah. Awesome. So I know they're your the rivals on the AVP. Did you send those guys a thank you note for uh, getting the world <laughs> championships? <laughs> Definitely not Trevor. Uh, Stafford and him have a little rivalry. No. Um, yeah. There were, were it, we actually lucked out because they had a chance to go to China before that and earn points to make it in normally, and they didn't go. And so we were kind of mad at them for that because they could have <laughs> like opened up a spot for us, but it worked out in the end. Perfect. Uh, I'd like to go back to John. Like you mentioned, you have a podcast. How did that start? And did you think it would be as popular as it is, really? Like you guys just got hooked up with Gold Medal Squared. Uh, I'm not sure how many downloads you have, but I'm one of them for sure. Nice, like, uh, nice. You guys have been doing a weekly for what feels like a few years now, right? Yeah. Like, um, whose idea was it? Who... How did you dedicate the time into doing this? Like, um, I guess, are you enjoying it? Like, just tell me all about this podcast you guys are doing. It's, it's Coach Your Brains Out for our listeners there. We'll, we'll have some links in our show notes. But I think you guys are like the volleyball podcast right now. Yeah, it's crazy. I think mostly just because we stuck with it for so long. I think it was four years ago now that we, a little over four years that we started it. Um, yeah, we were into podcasts and we were into volleyball. And so we always said, oh, we should start our own. And we'd, we'd have conversations talking about volleyball anyway. So let's just record it, make it a podcast. Um, so it was John Mayer, uh, our friend Niels Nielsen and I who started it and we, we know a lot of, we have a lot of connections through volleyball, um, and everybody, uh, like I'm, you were saying, you've started to find that, um, was willing to come in and talk. So we reached out to a whole lot of people and the show is pretty easy when you interview. If it was me just talking about volleyball, uh, the show would have lasted maybe a week, <laughs> but when you just have to ask questions and just learn and, you know, it's a lot easier and the content's better, um, and then I think for us, especially at the beginning, it was mostly a selfish endeavor because I wanted to learn from these coaches and we were basically asking questions for ourselves to get develop. 
Um, and then as it grew, we, you know, we started to branch out and look at it more like, hey, how could we like find some guests that are interesting to our listeners? How can we keep building it? And yeah, I think just by consecutively putting it out week by week, it grew on its own. Because yeah. we definitely don't market very well. <laughs> That's true. I think word of mouth is the best. Yeah, thing. yeah. If people are telling their friends about it, you know you're doing a good job. Uh, we had talked before the show that uh, every once in a while you'll book one that really helps you out, right? And I know mm. in the earlier episodes you guys talked a lot about growth mindset and you brought some guests in. Is there anything that you've really like stolen some really good ideas that you were able to apply right away that really helped your game? Yeah, I think... Um, like I was mentioning earlier, um, John is definitely at this point more passionate about coaching. Um, I'm coaching a little bit of beach now. I was coaching more when we first started the podcast, but since playing has kind of taken priority, um, the guests that I like the most um, are ones that an athlete can take information from. So some of our sports psychologists, like you were mentioning, people talking about mindset. Um, and yeah, I've, I've for sure learned a ton. I mean, there's so much. We just, we just wrote a book that kind of encapsulates a lot of the lessons that we've learned through the years of doing it. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in there that as a player I can take, not just as a coach. Great, great. And, you know, with all this, this free time that you don't have, I'm actually impressed to announce that uh, we found out today it's your second book. So you're a published author for the second time. One, where do you find the time with that with your, your wife and, and your kid and your volleyball and your podcast? Um, what do you enjoy about writing? And, and kind of tell us about the second book and when does it come out, I guess? Yeah, so, um, I've, Always been into creating stuff and writing. I used to do um, some volleyball videos when I first uh, got out of college. Uh, kind of good, these Danny kind of videos. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I majored in English, creative writing, and it's always been a hobby. Um, never really finished anything, started a lot of stuff, and then, yeah, just kind of buckled down as I'm getting older and trying to be a little more disciplined. As far as finding the time, um, so I read this Coach Your Brains Out is our second book. My first book came out in November. It's a fantasy book. Um, it's just a fantasy adventure, so it has nothing to do with volleyball. Um, but, yeah, I had a story, I wanted to write it, and just kind of carved out mornings and half an hour here, hour there, and you add that up enough, and all of a sudden you have a 400-page book. Perfect. And with this Coach Your Brains I One, um, is it drills? Is it ideas? Is it concepts? Like, why Why should we really push this to our listeners like we're going to? Like, what's, what's the benefit or the takeaway that you think, like, a coach is really going to use from that? Yeah, as far as the structure of the book, it's not... Um, like a, a drill manual. Um, it's more just broad concepts of coaching. So we structure it. Um, the chapters are principles, philosophy and principles, um, mindset, motor learning, feedback, practice, competition, culture, and leadership. And so each one of those chapters we dive in. Um, so for like motor learning, we talk a lot about what we've learned on how to run a successful practice and what kind of the science behind motor learning teaches us and then also a lot of lessons from our guests over the show and so it's more broad strokes it's not so much in philosophy it's not so much hey run this butterfly drill at you know 20 minutes into your practice um, but just kind of stuff just for the help a coach grow in general and learn and when you first started kind of hearing the concept of motor learning and i know john used to argue a bunch early on mm -hmm. in the episode this is what the data says was there a turning point for you that said like man like yeah i'm on board or were you resistant because i think the North American model, we were block training for a long time, mm. right? Um, have you found that coaches are kind of getting on board? Or are people still fighting that? Or with your experience, because I think that's something you guys push well on, on the podcast, but I still see it where people coach the way that they were coached, right? And they haven't really adopted kind of everything that John preaches sometimes on the show, right? Yeah, and that's definitely right. You you coach how you were coached because that's what you know. Um, and there's a long tradition of um, if you want to get better at passing, you just, you know, 
toss a bunch of balls to a passer to pass to a target and you know or even they drop a, they're sitting on a knee working on their platform or against a wall um, I would say especially on the women's side on the beach I've seen a lot more block training and traditional especially because they come from maybe a more structured indoor background um, but as players I mean we enjoy playing more so I know I'm way more happy to play more game like whole skill stuff than just do a lot of um, unrealistic reps um, but yeah, I, th I think it's team to team and I think there's some great things about block training, especially when you're learning a new skill for the first time. It's, it's you're not just thrown into the deep end, but I think the transfer from a live play that's realistic and resembles the game is, you know, shown to be way more effective. And so that's what we try to do, especially the last few years. Now this might be top secret, but could you share what a practice looks like for you guys right now in terms of how are you managing, say, load and jumps? Because I think gameplay is great, but when you guys have a long season and you mm -hmm. talk about how tournaments are back-to-back-to-back, -to -back -to -back, is there a way you guys can do random training but maybe not make a gameplay? Or how do you manage your swings, your jumps, and I guess the, the training load and all that good stuff? Yeah, I definitely don't have any secrets. Um, in the off-season, we were going five days a week, five and a half, um, with one of those being kind of more of a serve and pass light load, like you're saying, and then two to three times in the gym. Um, a typical practice right now looks like we do an over-the-net pepper to warm up. We do serve one way where we have a, we always practice with another team. We'll serve them a bucket of balls. They pass that hit as a warm-up. They do it to us. And then we get right into wash drills and games where there's some sort of focus. So if it's a block blocking focus, maybe it's scored where Stafford gets points for blocks and the hitter has to challenge him or can't shoot. But it's all in a live scored environment and you know, we practice for about two hours. This time of year with a lot of tournaments back to back, um, we'll stu still do that same practice, but maybe it's just in the two days we have during that week before we take off again. So the load stays pretty high, um, especially on the FIVB. I feel like you're not playing that many matches, so you're not totally drained, especially world champs. Um, but the AVP can be pretty killer when you play three or four matches in a day. Perfect. And how does a coach like John, who's very experienced and obviously passionate about to kind of manage the autonomy. Does he come in with a plan and says this is what we're doing today or do you guys feel like you have a lot of input? Does the team you're training with have input? Like how does that all come together? The team we're training with doesn't but uh, we, <laughs> he's trying to teach me to be a little more selfish. I'm always worried about their reps. Um, but yeah, um, we'll usually talk about it before practice and we kind of know as a team what we want to work on. Um, as far as the autonomy, yeah, John will, John has learned to kind of ask like maybe if he has two things he wants to work on he'll say hey do you want to work on going slow to fast on your approach or do you want to work on a longer you know longer approach just to kind of like give us choices that he wants and trick us with his Jedi mind tricks <laughs> so we're still making a choice but it's within his framework nice nice I always like hearing little tricks like that that people yeah. can use right away Very yeah because cool. if you say what do you want to work on maybe the kid says something crazy but if you're like hey you want to focus on this or this and give them your choices then you can kind of control it they still feel like they have autonomy definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, I've waited long enough uh, Fans of the show are going to definitely ask me about Danny Kindus. So can you get into that? Because I'm sure people are listening to the show being like, yeah, Billy Allen wasn't that. You know, how are we going to beat Brazil on a high net? It's probably what everybody's <laughs> going at home. So did you enjoy that project? What started that? Uh, you guys are obviously hilarious. Hopefully, like, the the cult following still gets around. But uh, what went into that project? Yeah, if your um, listeners are old enough, maybe they've heard of it. But yeah, um, so Kind of Good and Danny Kind of Videos uh, was some spoof volleyball stuff that we started. It was actually pretty much right after I got out of college. I had the idea of sending my coach a recruiting video that was just off the wall bonkers and like sneak it into his pile. 
And so I had a the partner I was playing with, AJ, and then his um, roommate, Dan Madden, um, who became Danny Kina. Uh, I had him star in it, and I filmed it, wrote it, edited it, and um, it was way funnier than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> and we slipped it. I had somebody, the assistant coach, put it on our coach's desk as like a normal recruiting video. And it was so funny that we put it on like YouTube at the time, and uh, it kind of took off from there. We did another one with the national team because we had a friend that was playing on the team, and they wanted to promote themselves before, um, I guess it was Beijing maybe. Um, and so we had Danny kind of coaches the national team and just kind of went from there where we kept doing more fun videos and um, I started to input myself a little bit more into them because <laughs> Dan was getting all the credit. Uh, so no, it was, it was fun. We still do stuff every once in a while. I think for Gold Medal Squared, we have a little commercial coming out, but um, yeah. And were you surprised with that project? Because like you said, you, you worked your way in with the, the international team. I mean, Reed Pretty's doing the shovel stuff for the video. Al Skates was in a video mm -hmm. like... Was everybody pretty inclusive, like, here's what we're doing, do you want to be a part of it? And you even got the great Al Skates to appear in a video? Like, yeah, um, he was actually one of the only people that said no, and then he saw us filming it and said, oh, that looks kind of fun, and so he did, like, a little ca oh, no cameo way. in it, yeah. <laughs> Once he kind of, like, saw what we were doing. Um, yeah, the volleyball community is so tight, um, and, you know, everybody likes to have fun. We called Phil and Nick, Phil and Todd up at the time, and they were in one of our videos, um, so yeah, I think as long as you don't make fun of them, we were the ones, we were the butt of the joke, then I think they were okay with it. Perfect. So kids probably aren't recognizing you as much for that anymore, but uh, there's people my age who are probably... At the time, yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah. yeah, it was funny when we, when I'm playing, like, I'm playing professional volleyball, I'm doing well. At the time, I would get more people come up to me about kind of good than about my own playing. And now, <laughs> actually, I get more people talking about Coach Your Brains Out in the podcast, so I'll take it. You know, you're, you're in it. You know, we just probably think that you think about volleyball so much that we want to talk about all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Show, yeah. You know, we can talk about world and you know, all that <laughs> stuff well, any other day. Um, nice. So with a with a player of your experience, obviously playing uh, high-level university volleyball, you've been to ABPs, you've probably been to some Narsikas that have a good story or mm -hmm. anything from the FIB. Um, our listeners love a good story from the road. It's just something that's like, Every once in a while, you shake your head and go, wow, this is professional sports. This is professional beach volleyball. I can't believe this happens to our athletes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. From the outside, it sounds cool when you say you play professional volleyball and beach volleyball. I tell my wife, you know, you're lucky you're married to a professional athlete. But as a joke, she knows how <laughs> amateurish it is at some points. Um, most of the f crazy stories are probably my own fault, um, trying to save money. I know um, my partner Brady and I slept in a lot of strange places um, to save money on hotels. <laughs> we had a, I guess one that comes to mind, we were in Santa Barbara, which is really expensive, and we didn't have a hotel. We were just going to kind of wait and figure it out, and then we decided we were going to sleep at the site that night, and so at the AVPs, they'll have some sponsor tents, um, so we're like, oh, we'll just sleep under there. It'll be fine, and so we went back late at night, but they were all Velcroed shut, and there was a guard wandering the place, and we're like, oh, shoot. So we ended up sneaking around the site to the back of a tent, digging a tunnel in the sand to sneak in under the Velcro because as we were trying to open it, it was like making too much noise. And we spent the night freezing at the site on the beach and we played horrible the next day. So I, I don't recommend that. <laughs> so that never happened again, right? Uh, not at the beach. We we had some yeah, other places where we, we stayed at. We found a place, um, this was after we were out of the tournament. We went to a party and we just stayed long enough <laughs> until we, we slept like under their drum set. <laughs> and then we woke up in the morning, like after two hours, and we're like, oh, thanks, and took off. And they're like, who are these guys? So just basically crashing in some strange places. 
Yeah, that reminds me of when John Hyde was on your show. It was hilarious how strategic with money he's been, where he admitted he's had hotel breakfast at places he didn't stay at, right? He would stop in and do that, or he's had the same pair of shoes for so many years that beach volleyball players got to figure it out sometimes, I guess. I took, yeah, I learned from that. And this whole year, um, very Hyde esque, I actually, Stafford and I now bring a Tupperware everywhere we go. And so we'll load up at breakfast. If it's a, you know, a free breakfast, then you have your lunch, save some money. Place. So how's the food been in Edmonton? Is that uh, move paid off? It's been good, and we're in the main draw. We get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, so there's no need for the Tupperware. But um, at a normal FIVB, when you're maybe you're on your own or paying for your qualifier food, it's good to sneak that in your suitcase. So you have a snack for later. See, write this down, listeners. This is good stuff yeah. that the kids can definitely learn from. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So for our listeners to become fans of you, we've been really Canadian centric, but for us to adopt a USA team. What's the best way to follow you in Stafford right now? Just kind of get on your Instagram, or is there a way to cheer you guys on? Yeah, that's the best, and Stafford's way better at Instagram than I am. So if you want to know anything that's going on, you should follow Stafford. I think it's at Stafford Slick, um, because he is on his phone nonstop documenting our every move. <laughs> I'm uh, at Billy Ketch Allen, that's K-E-T-C-H, um, and that has stuff here and there. I also have a website where I write a blog that's kind of you know about volleyball, how we're doing, and things I've learned. That's at billycatchallen.com um, yeah it has some stuff on Coach Your Brains out on there and then just normal kind of recaps from tournaments perfect so lots of stuff to follow you so you have one book that's not volleyball related that's a good read and you have one book that is volleyball related that people should check out yeah the the non-volleyball one is called Good Blood it's uh, like I said a fantasy adventure if you're into that and I'm working on the sequel right now perfect and you can catch uh, Coach Your Brains out every Thursday just subscribe so it just shows up on your phone yeah. and you can wake up Thursday and check it and be like oh sweet I'm going to love listening to this episode so good that's no signs of slowing down on that and it looks like your career is in a, in a good stage so uh what's next for you guys this season have you guys made any adjustments to your schedule are you going to go to the four star in mexico like it seems like being a professional athlete you can almost play year-round in beach right now with the amount of tournaments right yeah and it's funny because when you're in it sometimes you can complain about the silliest things like you're like oh like players are saying oh it's too much we don't have any off season but like there's people that would love to play these tournaments and so we're I'm very grateful that there's any tournaments I'm able to play in. And so if they're in December or if they're January, like we're very happy to play. Um, so we will have pretty much a full year-round schedule. Um, AVP finishes up in September, and then we'll be doing Mexico for sure. Perfect. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this. I know you're, you're very busy. So for our listeners of the show, hopefully the next time they see you in person, they'll compliment your style of play. And everybody thank you. Thank, on the court. you thank you. And then we'll talk about all the side projects <laughs> that uh, you've got going on. So. Uh, thanks again for taking the time. I hope you enjoyed Edmonton. Hopefully we'll see you back in Canada and good luck the rest of the way. Cool. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks again to Billy Allen for taking the time to join the show after winning the bronze medal in Edmonton. Everyone's favorite player, Brandy Wilkinson, and super best friend of the show, Ben Saxton, are competing at the Vienna Five Star this week. If you haven't already, please go back and download their episodes or check out any of the previous guest episodes. We have more bonus content coming this week from Edmonton. Spoiler alert, it's one of the Volley Vikings! Be sure to subscribe to Passing Dines wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss out on any of the bonus content. And stay tuned for more new episodes coming every Friday. Stay excellent, friends!